Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with Text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Welcome to a special edition of Text Talks The Look Back, where I take a moment to reflect upon the season that was, and you get a chance to catch up on bits that you may have missed over the course of our eight episodes. So, from the get go, I have to shout out Bia Tehran, Jägermeister's experiential marketing manager, for trusting us to pull off an entire season that showcases the tireless work that Jägermeister has done and is currently doing for musicians and also for our scene. She's a very humble, very hardworking lady, and her cheeks are probably so red right now listening to this, but she's been a game changer for pretty much all of the musicians that I spoke to this season, so it would be silly for me to not give her props. So if you're out and you see her at a socially distanced event, you know what shot to buy her. Now, lockdown was a huge feature and conversation starter in this season because it still looms over all of us. You can't escape talking about lockdown right now. And instead of running from it, I decided to embrace it. And because of that, I feel like a lot of the conversations that I had were really heartfelt this season. But now onto the good stuff. If you're a regular listener to Text Talks, you'll know that before we move forward, we like to look back at the season that was. And... Picking my top five moments from across this season was probably the most difficult. Season five was easy. Season six has been a pain in my ass because I've loved every single conversation. I have, I swear. But I'm sure you're dying to know what I've picked. So now, let's look back. D Koala. Oh, sweet D Koala. I could talk about this woman all day. My first face-to-face interview since the end of 2019, she brought the energy into the studio, and I'm pretty sure our chat could have been a good few hours, but I don't want to kill my producers, so here we are. My favorite moment, hands down, from this episode was when she reminisced about what it was like to grow up in the Sutuma household in Kailicha. Let's take a listen. I remember... When my sister used to play a lot of Eminem, Kanye West. (laughs) And um, we used to watch 8 Mile repeatedly. That was. The film. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That battle was the scene. Even though in some scenes I had to kind of make a window with my eyes. But <laughs> AKA the sex scene. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, used yeah. to peek through, I don't lie. <laughs> but like, it, it, it just made me feel like. 
you're now different. You're different, but everyone's come up is not so different. Not everyone, but like it, the relation to the come up in the music industry always starts in a rock and a hard place. Mm. And then you become this amazing person when you're older. It, like you've achieved so much and you look at it like, it feels like a couple of days ago I was in my room just mimicking other people making music and memorizing their lyrics and now I have my own and they're doing that to my music. Mm. So it started there to a point where I shifted off from music, from American music to spaza rap, music that was in the hood, different hoods, cooks, culture, langa all over the place and I looked up to those people and I was like, I really hope they make it out of, out of the hood. Some some haven't, some never did. A few did, but I wanted to make it out of the hood. But 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 for them to still trust me to have the hood on my back, because one thing I always wanted to make sure is, I, if ever anything happens and I blow up, I made sure and I made a promise to myself that I'm not gonna move to Joburg. Secondly. I love that. I don't want to move there. Secondly, I wanted to. I wanted my. I wanted my hood to have my back before I could ask anyone else to have my back outside my hood, mm-hmm. so that they trust me enough to do this thing and kill it forever. Whether or not by fifty I'm not rapping anymore, but they still know me that. Yo, you still do crazy things. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not rapping, I still want to be a person that's in connect with music in any kind of sort of way. And I feel like music shouldn't stop at any age, even so. I feel like even old people have probably like probably things to rap about. Mm. But it just looks odd and it's not normal for an old person to be rapping. Yeah, I know. Like, you get me? It's kind of this sort of unwritten rule that all rappers have a sell-by date. You know, yeah. like once you hit like 40... You know, exactly. That's it. That's it. You gotta, you gotta start a clothing line or something. Or, you know, or like <laughs> open up a studio yeah. for the youth. You know, things like that. And I feel like I want to achieve all those things before the age that it's expected for me to achieve. Mm. There's so much I want to do, but coming from a place like Kailija, it keeps on motivating me to don't, to never give up. I've never met Reason before, let alone spoken to him, so I had no idea what to expect from his general demeanor during our chat. But he was so engaging and so funny and super sharp. And I think my favorite moment from this podcast was when he opened up to me about his new chapter making Ama Piano, while still at the same time finding out what it is that really makes him happy. Let's take a listen. When my piano came back and it started booming, I like I found myself resonating with that thing, you know, kind of connecting with myself, you know, where I come from, you know, where I grew up, you know, the language was just taking me back there, you know. Um, and I just needed the bravery to just jump straight into it because I think I was in the closet when it comes to making a piano, you know. And it's that reason thing that I was telling you about. I was just like, I just can't bring myself to being reason doing this. You know, it's mm. it's a completely different world. Um, so I just really had to just run out the closet and say, this is me. <laughs> this is really who I am. This is really seasoned. what I love. Seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called myself seasoned. A seasoned reason. 
Um, yeah, man. And, and that's really what it was, you know? Um, and, and I think that life of just embracing what I really like started, you know, shaping away that depression because now I was falling in love with a new version of myself. You know, I only realized when I came out of it that it was because a lot of the things that I was attached to were, you know, were things that had faded away. My relationships, certain relationships that were close to me had faded away. Mm -hmm. Um, certain, you know, um, accolades, you know, didn't mean anything, you know, um, just everything was just changing, you know? Um, and, and, and I was just losing love for a lot of things that I'd fallen in love with. And I think hip hop was the biggest one. You know, I just didn't care about it that much, you know? Um, and it was just me becoming a new person, just me wanting to just, you know, live a new experience, you know? Um, mm. and that's exactly what I'm doing now. You know, I'm just more carefree, you know, more open-minded, more, more relaxed, you know, more, more at ease, you know, and taking things as they come, you know, um, it's also the first time I've ever been alone and single for like in 15 years. I'm like a long relationship type of guy, you know? Um, and, and now that I'm alone, I'm, I'm learning this guy. I'm actually learning this guy. And I'd like, I want to go back and apologize to every girl that I've dated because I'm just like, this guy is a lot. I have to deal with him by myself now. So <laughs> dealing with Caesar by himself has been a learning. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting learning. I think learning yourself and experiencing yourself by yourself, for yourself, is something that people need to regularly do. Just, just check in and see, like, you know, do you still love apples? No, you don't. Fuck apples. You like <laughs> Man, oranges okay. now, don't you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I like tequilas more, but it's... it's okay. <gasps> you are my people! Tequila! It makes me happy! Now, I've known Francois Van Gogh for a long time, and I've seen every version of him. And I wasn't sure whether or not he wanted to talk about those messy Van Gogh cartel days, but he did. And we went there, and it's probably my standout moment from across this whole season because Franny's honesty is so refreshing in an industry that's so full of cuck. Let's take a listen. I want to go back to... Like things are going pretty lacquer with fork off, but then everyone <laughs> goes off and they decide to do other things. Here, Vols, A King, and then you start Van Kokata with Veinand. And wow, Franny, those early days were messy. <laughs> and like you sent me a photo a few months back of an article that I wrote for oh, LMG yeah, Magazine, the best street press music publication this country has ever seen, RIP. But I, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So you sent me this picture of this article, and I can't remember what I wrote, but the introduction was harsh, mm -hmm. and I was not very nice. But VCK turned a corner after, like, Justin went out, and Jason came in, and you got Jed on board, and you started to make legit music. What was that driving force behind VCK's turnaround after the first album? Just like it. Um, let's take it back a little bit. Like, when, when Fook of took a break it wasn't really my choice you know so so for me Fuck of Polisica was the alpha and the omega it was like the only thing I wanted to do I didn't want to do anything else at that stage you know we're talking like in 2006 mm -hmm. and I think uh you know it was it was more Hunter and Johnny that wanted to do other things you know Johnny wanted to start the studio Hunter had other ideas of maybe 
you know, writing for some other people or studying something. But to me, you know, I wanted to be the singer for Folk of Polisikar. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do anything else. So the, 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 um, the kind of breakup, it wasn't easy for me. You know what I mean? And I didn't have any, I didn't have any other plans. You know, like I was like the, the drunk singer of Folk of Polisikar. <laughs> that, that was like, that was what I wanted to be. You know, Was it I mean? a breakup at the time or was it a hiatus? No, I, I think we, I think we called it the end. It was supposed to be the end. I mean, at, at the end of 20, 2006, I think 2007, we did a Kirsten Boss show. I think that was supposed to be the last one. You know, um, I think some of us, like me, still, still had hope that it was going to carry on. But I think, um, you know, it was our final show. I think we built it like that even at the time, 20 years ago. <laughs> we <laughs> were like, ah, they're going to come back. Just watch. <laughs> but, <laughs> Don't believe but, them. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was tough for me. So so for me, going into into Funko Cartel and starting to write songs, playing guitar, um, and being kind of depressed about my circumstances, it was it was not an easy time. So I obviously I was I was partying super hard in that period as well. So it was like a lot of boozing, a lot of drugs, a lot of hangovers, a lot of songwriting, and putting this album together in that time. Um, and you know, like now, if I think back back to it, that first. Um, that first Funko Cartel album, I think, has got some cool songs on it. I feel very weird about uh, how I felt at the time because I was—it was like this uncertain, angry, angsty, twenty-six-year-old that actually just wanted to die. That's like kind of <laughs> what I feel Jesus. like if I listen to that. <laughs> if I listen to those songs, but but um, I mean, we're retro- laughing about it now, but Jesus. <laughs> But there's some truth to it, you know what I mean? That's how I felt. I, I didn't know like, like how long I'm gonna last. I was like, what? Like it was no old board, whatever. There was whatever even happens, an, happens. There you was know even what I mean? an article that someone wrote about like, you know, if you keep this up, you're not gonna see like the next two years. I thought that was very harsh, by the way. I remember that, and I like Whew. that was like kind of it was very hectic for me that article i mean because i felt offended by it mm-hmm. you know i wasn't like i'm in trouble i'm going to die i was like i was offended by why do you say that about me you know what i mean that's how i felt at the time so mm-hmm. it was a tough time for me so you know we started this thing it was like it felt like us against the world and then at that same time we we released our album it was kind of like the response wasn't great and we were kind of playing all the kind of the club shows and then a king released their album you know from the same background two of the members of Focal Police Car and they blew up immediately and they playing all the headlining all the festivals and we're like grinding it out in the clubs you know what I mean ah, like loud underground rock music so I was kind of like damn this this thing kind of sucks we're like working our asses off it's not working i'm parting my, my, my myself in my mood i'm you know it was just a very uncertain weird time so mm-hmm. so i think like natural progression things happened um we, we we made a second album and we made a third one skopskin donor and that's where peach van pletsen came on board and he produced that album I, I i said earlier we made music for the for this play but it was around that time for the play 
2009 that I met him. We made those tunes together and I got him to produce this the the third album, Skopskin Donner. That was a great and, album. And he played drums on it and he brought in like someone to play lead guitar and we we made like this more of a package, like more of a full-on production than than the very rough around the edges first two. And and then we came home and we were like, damn, we need to get someone to play lead guitar on these things. And we met Jed, hit it off with him. Um, we got Jason on board a little bit later. I think we worked with another two drummers before we got, got him. And when the four of us got together, it was like, boom, this is the right combo for Funko Cartel, you know? So... This was a long podcast, like an hour and 15 minutes long, because as much as I love to talk, Peach van Pletzen, a.k.a. Hrothont, <laughs> loves to talk so much more than I do, which is why his new online TV show is called Prating. It's very apt. I laughed the whole way through this interview, but Peach talking about the roots of van Pletzen will forever be imprinted on my brain. <laughs> Let's take a listen. If people only knew the hits that they love that that we create, no, I'm joking. But uh, and we, th- at that point, I moved to the studio to Greenside in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. I actually think I bumped into you there one day. Uh, yes, shadow boxer, maybe. Yes, yes, we um, did. I was uh, suffering from a very bad hangover. I remember it very clearly. Uh, I've been expecting you. You a hangover? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, we were working and we were steadily busy for like over a year. And then suddenly there was this little lull for a few days. And we were like sitting, drinking beer actually at Shadowboxer. And we were speaking about Afrikaans music and what we thought was just missing and lacking. And then I said, why don't people just write in Afrikaans the way they talk? Like... Mm. You know, Swaimeh Zab and Kumus Luopnari Shop, Krepapir and um, chowing space cakes on an island. Because it's like, if you go on an island as a 20-something with a, you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you have to write a song about that, why do the minute it becomes Afrikaans do people think it needs to become more wholesome and holy? You will write about getting naked and if, if, it's, if you're telling it to a friend and we got naked and we ran on the beach and we chowed space cakes and we got shit-faced that night in the bar and then, you know, we went up to the room and, holy fuck, like, what? And then it was like, well, why don't people write that song in Afrikaans? And then we said, well, let's go do it. And we went into the studio and we literally wrote and recorded Zaberflut and, and Eilandstale. And... Uh, Two of the best it, tracks ever recorded in the history of the world. History of man. Yes, of course. And uh, I mean, we were like, well, that happened kind of fast and organically. And, you know, things don't always have to take long in order for them to be, you know, meaningful or or, or good. And, you know, and I said, well, so I like these songs. What are we going to do now? It should a video and put it out and, and we did that and people were legitimately very not just confused but concerned because <laughs> of my background you know 
yesterday's pupil, Bitter Einder, which is very sort of conscious um, as well. Mm-hmm. And and suddenly it's like Eiland style. And, and they asked me, they're like, dude, are you serious? And I said, well, I you know, recorded it and paid for a music video. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm fucking serious. Just because it's funny doesn't mean it's, you know, a joke. It's like asking a comedian or someone working on a comedy film if he's serious. It's like, yeah, we're still, you know, making. <laughs> and, and then they said, are you trying to make mainstream Afrikaans pop music and you're just failing? And I said, no. Oh, wow. This is something else. And by the way, if you're overthinking it, you're doing that to yourself. Mm. Think less and just relax. Like no one went to LMF. What are LMFAO? LMFAO. LMFAO. Mm-hmm. I'm sexy and I know it. And said, hey, Party you guys serious? <laughs> you know, what's up with, you know. But the minute you move something into Afrikaans, it's just, it's just pop music at the end of the day. Um, and if you take hip hop inf- influences, hip hop is always kind of funny and cheeky and quirky, and there's there's always either that energy or super sort of you know gangster. Hmm. And um, we we didn't know what we were going to make or getting into. We just went with it and we trusted the process, <laughs> and we were having fun because it was such a cool space to to move from the english and from the serious vibe to like satirical over the top and you realize wow this has formed the perfect sort of climate to be and become things we've never been and that we can't even fathom ourselves there was no lekke or lekkerness or any of that but you couldn't get to that point had it not started, you know, where it started. And uh, the funny thing is after Goat dropped, which is the Iman Bala Uber, which we shot in the back of an Uber, cheapest music video idea ever, give the guy 1,500 bucks, shit ton of weed, and then you just roll. And um, after that, people were like, okay, no, uh, we get it. It's cool. It's cool. Very similar to my reason situation, I wasn't too sure what to expect from Q when we spoke, but his vibe was very chilled and gentle, and he spoke about taking Kom from the streets to Hollywood with the utmost elegance. He also educated me a lot about the genre and how Destruction Boys cleaned it up, so to speak. Let's take a listen. Talk to me a bit about cleaning up the sound. Like, would you say you gave the genre a bit of structure? Because I feel like there's a sort of formula to Tkom now. Uh, the intro yeah. comes in with the beats, then you introduce some samples, like then the vocalist sings and does their thing. Then there's the breakdown, then the buildup. Like, would this be your formula or something that would resemble your 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 structure? In a way, yes. Um, with our with the way that we put the songs together, you know, our arrangements of the songs, um, it really helped put shape into into the sound and the system itself. Uh, because Gom in itself is a sound that doesn't really follow the normal rules of music, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you really could just do whatever it is that you're thinking in your head, as long as it's it's got heavy bass. <laughs> And, and it's pumping then that's all you want you know it could just literally say the same thing for seven minutes and you'd be fine with it <laughs> because it's so like unconventional you know <laughs> literally like it's so unconventional um and people enjoy it in it being unconventional you know but at mm. at, at, at the points that we wanted to come up as well we we tried to put some some structure into it to make it at least follow certain norms in the music uh, business and in the industry and music as a whole for us to actually have a room to be accepted in a way uh, yeah. and I think it worked perfectly because we wanted to be accepted and once that certain level of acceptance had been there would break the rules again <laughs> it was literally just putting our foot in the door and once that foot was in we can just put the other one and just do whatever it is that we wanted to do and just like that Season 6 is over. A huge shout out to Season 6 sponsors Jägermeister, posing an ongoing challenge to you to be the Meister. You don't have to wait long though, because Season 7 returns on the 27th of September and I have a huge announcement to make around our trailer drop that you're not going to want to miss. In the meantime, head on over to www.texttalks.com and catch up on all our previous episodes. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, or wherever you catch your podcasts. And remember, that's text with a double X. Text Talks is coming to you from the amazing Kaya Creative Studios at Neighborgood in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. Shout out to Tom's, the only music store for keeping us connected. From me, your host, Tex, my producers, Jonathan Ings and Matt Lutz, and our researcher, L. Clapper. Catch you on the flip side.